Indigenous community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to encourage diversity in thought but not create division in community, and where we want to help you remember how to think instead of tell you what you should think. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, my co-person, <laughs> Mr. John Wagler. Wags, how are you recovering from our big trip to the Holy Land? Feeling so holy. And so right, holy, just, just, you're glowing just right now. I had to wear a veil around the office to <laughs> shield my holiness. How's how's eating kosher going for you? Yeah, we scrapped that on Thanksgiving because um, <laughs> we were... Yeah, we did uh, non-traditional Thanksgiving this oh, year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which was awesome. I highly recommend it to everybody. We just did uh, everyone bring their favorites. So we had like ZZQ brisket. Mm. We had um, some classic, you know, sweet potatoes. We had O'Charlie's rolls, Chipotle mm-hmm. rice, some barbecue wings. We um, and some other like kind of side dishes. And some folks next year want to bring sushi, maybe some crab cakes and. So anyway, and when yeah. you get fresh sushi on Thanksgiving Day, that seems dicey. <laughs> yeah, it's don't eat I, the sushi. I know. Well, <laughs> that wouldn't be my call, but yeah, but it was fun. It was like it was super interesting. That's it was awesome. different. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we um we were hosted by a family that goes to church here. Um, shout out to the Copatillos. They were amazing. Their house was great. Their hospitality was unbelievable, and. Um, we ha- started a fire and got the fire going with a leaf blower, which was terrifying and, and fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving overall. We had a good, I think you and I and, and the team had a good trip to, to Israel, but we're happy to be back in the studio Yes, and ready to, to stay curious. Whenever I hear someone say, start the fire, I can't help but sing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, it's just. So for you only know the chorus, you can't do, you can't rap yeah. the whole thing. Or the last line to each. Yeah. Each <laughs> That's a super annoying party trick is people who've learned that whole song and yeah. can recite it. Um, cool. So we are back and we are going to chat about, um, there was an article that came out um, while we were in Israel and uh, John shot it over to me and I had actually, it, it must have been blowing up both of our news feeds because whenever my Facebook feed and your texts line up, uh, <laughs> yeah, that means true. it's something serious. Um, and uh, yeah, the, we're going to talk today about the sort of con- continuing saga of Chick-fil-A and uh, its uh, role in the culture wars, passive or active, <laughs> over the last yeah. couple of years. Um, uh, this past, I guess it was two weeks ago now, or this past yeah. week, I think November seventeenth or eighteenth, um, uh, there was a statement issued that they that Chick Fil A had severed ties with the last two. Um, uh, what would you call them? Do, uh, I guess organizations that they support. Yeah, nonprofits. Don- don- yeah. Um, the the last two that were under criticism um, by gay rights activists. So it was the Fellowship Christian Ath- Athletes and Salvation Army um, are now no longer supported by Chick Fil A. Um, before we kind of get into it, I wanted to give a quick overview. I mean, this has been news. I think that most everybody knows about sort of this controversy over the last couple of years, but I just wanted to give a quick overview real quick. Um, and just so that every, we don't assume that everybody keeps up with this stuff. Um, in 2012, it, there's little things that have started before that, but basically in 2012, uh, Dan Cathy, who is the son of the founder of Chick-fil-A and was the, I think, chief, 
chief operating officer. Yeah, at that CEO. Point. Yeah. 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 Um, he uh, made some comments publicly in, I think, an interview with a radio show and a couple of other places um, about being a supporter of traditional marriage. And um, that sort of sparked a line of thinking in the wider culture and uh, red flags with gay rights activists as to what exactly Chick-fil-A's role was in any what they would consider anti-LGBTQ um, uh, organizations. So everybody started digging into it, and um, Chick-fil-A became uh, started getting a lot of heat, not just for Kathy's comments, but for their financial support of certain nonprofit organizations that um, I think, you know, I'm going to be the more liberally guy, but I would say I would agree that they ran a spectrum from simply you know, stating somewhere on their website that they support um, traditional marriage, which, you know, is a belief thing, to mm-hmm. all the way over to, like, actively, you know, like the Southern Poverty Law Center stating that they were actively, like, hurting gay gay folks, stuff like Exodus and folks on the family. Yeah, there were a couple of organizations that didn't have the best track record with um, the LGBT folks, and in that there had been previous donations to a couple of those, like Exodus. Um, and I, I will say that there, this is where, you know, I know we're giving the timeline, but it does get complicated mm-hmm. because they also, uh, when you look at their entire donor base to which they gave money to, is actually incredibly diverse. Mm. People honed in on those, and I under, you know, understand yeah. why, but it's actually like super diverse. Like they had mm-hmm. like some pro choice organizations that, you know that they they didn't they weren't funding pro choice, but they they were helping that those organizations organizations do their work, mm-hmm. and they happened to be you know they weren't in favor of pro life. You know, so like there were yeah. things that were just like complicated with it as well. But. Yeah, I would say that like um, we could probably agree that if Mr. Kathy hadn't made those comments and they weren't when you say make comments, it's as if he called a press conference to tell everybody yeah. he didn't agree with gay marriage. That's not what happened, but. I think if he had had the discernment to kind of like maybe answer some questions differently publicly, we probably wouldn't even be here. Like it would because he, been, he has said that. I think it was yeah. in 2014. He there was an article where, where he was re-asked. Mm-hmm. You know, he just said, you know, I I do believe the Bible points to man and woman marriage. However, I do regret mm. entering into the fray of this conversation because that's not what we're. Like our our organization is not about making a statement like mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. and, and it's become that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that was in 2012 was when the sort of controversy started uh, in earnest. And then there were boycotts um, through 2012 and 2013. And then things started to taper off uh, a couple of of good moves on Chick-fil-A's part. Dan Cathy struck up a relationship with the, I can't remember his name, but it was the guy who was the lead of the uh, biggest um, gay student organization Mm -hmm. for college campuses. Um, And they became friends. So he sort of started coming to bat for him. Um, And things tapered off a little bit. Um, And then in 2014, their tax rule, they released their, you know, tax report. And it showed that they had in fact, like severed ties with a lot of the, um, Nonprofits that uh, gay rights activists had an issue with, with the exception of, I think, FCA was the only one. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes was the only one that, that was still on there. Um, and then in 2017, taxes were released um, and showed that um, they were supporting FCA, uh, a place called Paul Anderson Youth House, um, and also Salvation Army. 
and then that sort of that along with I think the general sort of like cultural milieu that's happening in the Trump era um, made Chick-fil-A a sort of uh, uh, speaking point again for folks that were trying to decide where we're going to put our money, what we're going to protest and what we're not. Um, and uh, actually in 2018, they subsequently, I would say, like heard what people's concerns were and pretty quickly cut ties with Paul Anderson Youth Home, who I looked, in, I looked into that and they did have some... Yeah, I mean, I would say that they were right to cut ties. In my opinion, they were right to cut ties with them. I, they they did not have well thought out um, plans of action for how to deal with trans and and LGBTQ folks. So um, they cut ties with them. Um, still had ties with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Salvation Army. Um, and then just this last month, uh, after more. Uh, controversy, and we should say it's not just controversy. Like people speaking out against them on Twitter, like there was some pretty deep battling going on in San Antonio, Chicago, Toronto, and the UK, where Chick Fil A was trying to open up stores, and there was um, sort of local politicians and groups who were barring them, actively barring them from doing business, mm-hmm. um, citing you know their support for. So, uh, yeah, citing issues with their previous comments about LGBTQ folks. So, um, yeah, it wasn't just like Twitter arguing or like talking points. Yeah. It was like actual sort of like action being taken for the company not to expand. Um, and yeah, so, in Texas, they had to, they have a law that's called the Chick Fil A law. law. Yeah. yeah so yeah, um, I think it's you can look it up. Um, that but it's colloquially yeah referred to as the Chick Fil A law. Um, and so, yeah, that brings us up to this past couple of weeks where they then severed ties with FCA and Salvation Army. Um, and that, as of right now, leaves them with a, you know, as far as Southern Poverty Law Center and, and several gay rights watchdog groups would say that they now have severed ties with all of their pro-LGBTQ, I'm, I'm sorry, anti-LGBTQ um, partners. So. Uh, John, uh, we, we were in Israel. I, I looked on Facebook. It was all over Facebook. Um, it was mostly my more liberal friends being like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but, uh, but also, you know, things on, on both sides, people saying, oh, I'm so glad this is happening. And, mm-hmm. and, and some people saying, oh, this is a portent of bad things to come. You text me it and, what I wanted to kind of talk about today, um, and I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to give you a chance, is kind of, this has been going on for years. Um, Jenny and I, I should also mention, like Jenny and I did boycott in 2013, and then um, we ended our boycott of Chick-fil-A when the um, campus gay rights uh, leader came out um in favor of like, yeah, I feel like they've made the correct changes. So some people would say we didn't do enough. Some people would say we did too much by boycotting in the first place. But it's worth saying that like we did participate actively in like not going to Chick-fil-A for, eh, I would say like eight or nine months. Um, and it was hard because I worked right next to one and there was literally nowhere else to have lunch. <laughs> so I actively boycotted. Um, uh, and then, but then we've done business there uh, ever since with our family and stuff. Um, so anyway, we wanted to kind of talk about now that we know what happened, why it matters to us. Like, we have emotions about it. I've argued with friends about it. You keep track of what's going on and have conversations about it. So when you sent me that text of the the article um, and said, you know, we should talk about this on Stay Curious, walk me through kind of like what are your thoughts and feelings about this whole thing? Yeah, I think 
there are there's a lot there i think when um to start off with so for me i think it reveals certain things about our culture okay. that i think we'll miss out on if we don't pay attention to some of the details of everything you know for instance uh you know you've got this um thought process or the way that we kind of kind of view uh or the social media world i should say where everyone's an expert right like you have the um what is it the dunner kruger effect right like where uh it's the constant overestimating of what you know and 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 so and i know we probably do that too but you know we all everybody does it but you know it's becoming so bad that everyone's an expert on everything and i think we miss out on some of the details that really matter and and so i started thinking about okay it's one thing if some of those organizations, like Exodus International, like I get it, you know, like that that would be an absolutely anti-LGBT, like they hurt gay folks, like that was really bad, you know. And but I started thinking about the way like the Salvation Army, you know, replied, and to see them, you know, get hurt in the way that they serve homeless people, and they they don't make any distinction on who they serve and who they help or anything like that you know to i know so many folks in fca mm-hmm. you know and have spoken at events there and and done different things to uh support them and and i love the work that they do in the context of high schools and some college campuses too and they've done some wonderful things and and to describe them as anti-people that has never been my experience with you know fca folks now could there be bad eggs places sure but as a whole that's never been my experience with people you know and so what i've started to see through all of that was you know we've got to pay attention to where this could hypothetically lead us Um, i'm not a doomsday guy or anything like that but i do think that there is some realities that even as Christians, how we begin to participate in this conversation. And like, what is it? Uh, we have like the religious freedom side, right? Which I think is something to talk about with this. Like there's like, where does this stop? Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, like, does it, do you have to, uh, now someone was like, it's just like, again, like, it's just like if they're like a bigot or if they're like, you know, or if they're hurting people, like that's where it stops. And, and then like, there's a part of this that is like, well, how do you know? Like, and how do you lump an entire organization into it? And how do you, and who's being the holder of like, what's good, what's not good, where's the line, and how do you do that? And right now, it just feels like there's um, a lot of pressure and there's a lot of conversation around things that don't necessarily lead us to like this definitive place of like, hey, this is where the line is, this is where it stops. And and I think like that's part of... Um, I think there's a reality about religious freedom here. Like even, so I know that, you know, California is a wild place. And I was actually reading, I think this morning, that they've had hundreds of thousands of people leaving that state, um, partially because of taxes and partially because they're just wild with their laws, you know. And Also, it's sinking into the ocean. <laughs> it's sinking into the ocean. But, um, you know, like for instance, uh, it was either last year or the year before where they tried to get a law in place where Christian schools uh, couldn't have as part of the policy that students couldn't have premarital sex in the dorms. Hmm. And they were trying to make them, they were saying that that um, was discriminatory against, like, you know, students and everything. They were trying to make them, force them to change their policies. And and so there, there is this feel 
that things keep getting, like the can keeps getting kicked a little mm. bit further. And the idea of religious freedom is something that is up for discussion, you know, and that we need to be aware of. And when religious freedom starts being hurt, then not only, do, like that doesn't make everything go away, mm. you know, and, and it starts being harder to see like, all right, then what do we have, like government dictated you know, um, like whether or not you can meet or whether or not like you have to have like this set of certain beliefs and, and everything. And I think, again, I'm not saying like we're there or anything or that this is where it ends up, but I do think that there is room for discussion around that to say, okay, well, where does this stop? Mm-hmm. Like, where does this stop? Does every business have to agree with like a certain camp because they're the loudest camp screaming? And listen, I'm all for equal rights and all for, you know, uh, I mean, I've been very clear about that stuff. Um, But it doesn't mean like what, just because it's an LGBT group or activist group doing something, it doesn't mean that they're right. Mm. You know, and sometimes I feel like the jump so quickly is, well, someone's protesting or someone's boycotting, so they must be right. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. Um, They might have a point, but it doesn't mean that the ultimate thing is right. Mm. And and so there is a part of that discussion that I think it's important for people to stay engaged with to begin to see like, okay, well, where does this stop? And if you own a business, like say you owned, say you, know, you had some creative business and you're kind of, but then someone doesn't like what you believe, like, and they think that might hurt people. Like, where does it stop is my, is my, one of my greatest concerns with kind of this religious freedom discussion. I think the other thing it reveals a little bit um, in this, because of how open Chick Fil A has been, they have not hidden from any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been they've been pretty clear about where they have. They've never had. They hire gay folks. They hire transgender. They've never not served anybody. They've they've been. Uh, they're known as the most active fast food, you know, group in like in the communities um, all around the country. Um, they do so much incredible work, and sometimes. I just wonder, is there a faux tolerance to some of the progressive and liberal folks? Mm. You know, that um, sometimes I feel like, oh, you're just as argumentative and stuck in the, and arrogant and stuck in the mud of your opinion as the, like, extreme conservatives that you're trying to, like, rally against. And there's really, like, a faux tolerance there Mm. that sometimes I think can leak out. Mm. And um, and so I think that's part of the, the, the discussion and why I was like, you know, some of this feels like sometimes selective rage, but you know that I think anyone can have like you get amped up on a certain thing. But like I, when I saw the article come out, I was like, we just need to talk about this because like that's something that gets me going a little bit because I don't think you know one of the beauties of our country is religious freedom, and um, I would obviously if religious freedom hurts people um, or someone's re- or beliefs hurts a grouping of people and doesn't allow them to have equal rights or doesn't allow them. Um, to be able to live a full life in some capacity, whatever that is, um, I am totally like all for boycotting that or coming like the Westboro Baptist for mm-hmm. folks. Like I'm all for bringing attention to that and be like, that's not okay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if Westboro Baptist had a a business. Mm-hmm. Maybe the market just says, "Well, we're just not going to shop there," and the business closes down, rather than being like, "Because of something, you can't do that." Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I there, I think that there's room for discussion. Is my point because it feels like this gets. I know you don't like the slippery slope, but 
um, and I understand it, but it does feel like, well, where does this go next? Mm-hmm. So that, that would be my point. What about for you? Yeah. Uh, so my thoughts on a couple of the things you said is um, you made a comment of like just because a – um, like a gay rights group or a minority group protests against something doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. I think that statement is true. However, um, we have to keep in mind that this is this idea of minority people, whether they're gay or black or um, uh, immigrating here from another country or whatever it is, or, or have different ability, you know, um, they're, they have special needs or whatever, this idea of minority groups having a voice in a democracy is, I don't want to say new, but this idea that like we as a culture have shifted to rooting for what we perceive to be the underdog is not the way it's always been. It's generally been, especially in this, especially in the West, but I think anywhere where there's empire going on, it's a might makes right scenario. So the cultural sort of zeitgeist would dictate for most of human history, that if you were right, you'd be stronger. And the reason you're strong is because you're right. And so this idea that a small grouping of people can get together and make a lot of noise and create an impact, like the fact that a um, a sexual minority can get together and even have the power to stop someone from opening a business, whether that's right or wrong, is a generally new idea. It's just not a thing that has very... It's always been like cool, you want this? Well, come back to me with your army or come back to me with your money or come back to me with your overwhelming majority support. It's a might makes right thing. So while I think minority groups can get together and be wrong, I think that I I just tend to err more on the side of the underdog being right. And some of that some of that I get from my reading of the Bible of like the, the rejected stone is going to be the cornerstone. Like it's always going to be the least of these. It's always going to be, it's never going to be a big king, a big throne. It's always going to be a little manger. Right. Um, I'm not saying that the Bible supports the idea that all minority groups are right all the time, but I do think that there's something to be, that's my thought in response to like this idea of just because a group is small and loud doesn't make them right. I think that's true, but also, we're all still kind of getting used to, generationally, we are getting used to this new idea that small groups of people can use the internet to make big things happen. And I think that if somebody gets hurt in that process, I guess I tend to see it less as a slippery slope and more of a growing pain. Um, If you ever study anything about like the Arab Spring and how Twitter, like the Arab Spring wouldn't have happened without Twitter, which is crazy. That was like sort of an, an epoch in the timeline of like human history in which technology, social media, and all these things that we're dealing with now gave um, relative silenced minorities the ability to completely change a thing. People still got hurt. There was, I mean, it's just, it's a whole problem. But like, uh, so I I kind of, um, I just, I guess I always think whenever I hear, whenever I'm trying to determine what my thoughts are on what a minority group is angry about versus what a majority group is angry about, I always try to like process it through that lens of like, this is sort of a new, I mean, even Christianity, it was like this tiny group of people, like I'm rereading Acts right now, and it's like this tiny group of weirdos, and then all of a sudden it gets to Constantine, and then it becomes the biggest thing, and then it's a might makes right scenario. But up until then, it was never, I mean, 
they just yeah, had to was plug the, away at it for 300 years to finally get to yeah, be like Yeah, it was definitely real. the underdog. I think, but I think there is, you know, when you describe like Jesus as the cornerstone, I, I would, I, I would also say we can't forget that part of what makes Christianity such a beautiful thing is one, the peacemaking element mm-hmm. to Christianity. Um, yes, to the underdog of Christianity. And quite frankly, we should always feel that way. Like the fact that we feel in positions of power in our own country is not the way it's supposed to be with in terms of Christianity. Um, so we should always have this underdog feel. And I'm with you on that. And, and, I, and I actually totally agree that this is the first time to this level that things are people are getting voices that didn't have them before, which I would say is a beautiful thing. Um, but it doesn't make a right mm. sometimes. And I, and, and I, and I guess like that is the point I, where I would say yes to a growing pain with that, because we've got to learn how to think within some of this stuff. Mm. And, and maybe we're both, even though we have different perspectives, or I think maybe we're both right. Like it might be an indicator of some things that need to be fixed. Also like a growing pain yeah. <laughs> of like in the process. Yeah. Um, but you know, like there is like an element right now that I feel that with the, uh, um, sometimes in some of these scenarios that it isn't just like having a voice. It's more like trying to silence something else. Mm. And, and so I understand like when the majority of something, uh, when the majority starts to lose power, like in, in our, in our scenario here, if the majority starts to lose power, even if that means it's just becoming more equal, mm-hmm. like the majority is going to automatically feel like it's losing. Right. You know? Right. And, and so in, in you before voiced how, um, part of the reason you, uh, I don't remember what episode it was, but you made the comment like that conservatives are angry and probably voted for Trump because they feel like they had no voice. Mm-hmm. Like they were losing the voice in terms of the larger conversation mm-hmm. culturally. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's the part that I think we also have to be careful with, like in terms of we don't want to all of a sudden be like, just because a grouping of people starts saying something, you know, we've had conversations with LGBT folks that they don't know. That's not like the group agrees on everything. <laughs> you yeah, know, right, it's yeah. totally, like they're split on the, even yeah. what the Bible says about marriage, right. you know. And so, so there is like we have to be careful, I think, of just immediately jumping so much into something that and I can think that was like the biggest like, man, it feels like we just jumped so fast into this. And I kind of was like, I didn't understand why Chick-fil-A, it felt like Chick-fil-A buckled a little bit, mm. you know, and I and and. And so I don't know. It just made me feel like weird yeah. about the whole thing. I'm like, is this? Are we going in a in a not? Is it, is the pendulum swinging too aggressively? Mm-hmm. You know, like are we going to miss the sweet spot? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's where I kind of got going on it. Yeah, and I think it's good for us to keep perspective. I so whenever I have gotten into a um, de- debatative type conversation with my friends who are speaking out, because I you know like I have people pretty close to me who are, flat out feel that like. Um, the that support of Chick Fil A is you know is just bad. For, it's not just something we disagree on. It's like really yeah. like a an affront to human rights. Um, and they can you know I don't I don't, I don't agree, but like if that's their perspective, that's their you know uh, it's in the eye of the beholder, you know. Yeah. Um, and so whenever we have those conversations where I sort of, for lack of a better term, come to Chick Fil A's defense or ask questions, I always open with like, look. I don't really care what happens to this giant company. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, I just don't like, I understand that, um, 
my experience with them has always been that they treat their employees very well. There are a couple of folks in my small group who love working there and have worked there for a while. Um, they've always treated, I've always had a good experience with the company, but ultimately this is not going to be the thing that topples Chick-fil-A. And we always need to just like put that out there, you know, first and foremost. And if, um, if in fact Chick-fil-A is buckling or is making like PR moves so that they can continue to expand, I don't, I'm not really, it's not that I, I agree with them not supporting those places anymore, but I don't agree with them making that decision so that they can open more stores. Agreed, yeah. Because the reality of it is, is that this controversy, I mean, this is a financial truth, this controversy since 2012 has increased their sales. So it has not hurt them. Yeah. So part of me thinks, well, they are really hearing people's concerns and responding by withdrawing their support of these organizations. Another part of me thinks, yeah, they just want to do what capitalists do and get bigger and bigger and bigger, no matter how much money they're making. And if expansion is the goal of cutting off these ties to these nonprofit organizations, I mean, I'm just never going to, you guys know, <laughs> like, yeah. if you listen to the podcast, you know, that's just like, that sort of like, uh, that thinking is just not that, that like bigger, bigger, bigger is just not my, yeah. my deal and not something I agree with. Well, knowing some of the people that have been uh, kind of intertwined with Chick-fil-A and they're obviously franchised and mm-hmm. everything too, but uh, I've gotten to know some folks that were kind of in on Chick-fil-A kind of corporate mm-hmm. early on. And I've heard them describe the atmosphere and the goals and uh, the culture that they want to do and what they want to do to impact the community. And I don't think, obviously, something can change. I don't think it's about expansion or or anything like that. It. I just felt like it. It, it seemed like they buckled because they were just tired. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just tired of the pressure, tired of the constant conversation, tired of. And so, and they wanted to figure out a way to how to just be in the chicken business and do really nice things in the community. That I mean, that's what it felt like. And and if that's the end goal, and that's what ends up happening out of this, that that's fine. Yeah. You know, I just there. I, I think for me, when I'm thinking about okay, if I were addressing a grouping of people around this, I would just say like, hey, like let's make sure this doesn't become the uh, the way to go about answering everything in our culture Mm. you know like let's protest everything let's boycott everything until someone agrees with me you know like that's Mm. that's just not the way to do things and to to learn how to be thinkers in some of this you know um a guy i love to listen to his name is michael ware and uh he he's uh, a democrat we're actually trying to get him here for the influencers Mm. weekend but um he was uh president obama's faith advisor and or part of his faith council and and so I, I listened to him a few times talk about some of this stuff. And uh, he always says, he always talks around this idea of like, hey, don't jump so quickly into things. Like hit pause for a second and think, you know, like when the Democrats came out, uh, I guess it was in August or September with trying to distance themselves from Christianity and moving into like having this resolution that they're uh like they really value atheistic thought and you know and then like that's the largest group of democrats are are non-religious people and they wanted that to be kind of the grounding for how uh, the democratic you know party would think and um and he just said just be careful in these scenarios of of where things can lead like think about okay 
if we go this route, like, what does that mean for a Christian? You know, like, he he is, like, big on this idea of, like, hey, there's no room for a pro-life Democrat in the Democratic Party. There's no room. And so, and there's becoming less room for Christians in the Democratic Party. And and so, there, it's just, and, and he, his point is, is it started with little things. And, and so, those little things can pile on each other. And so, I just think what has happened with some of these boycotts and some of these things um, conversationally, honestly, have been good. You know, and then then there's some things where for me, I'm like, I just think we got to think through some of this on a little larger level and where it goes. Um, And so for if you're a Christian, you know, we come from this mindset of to your point earlier, like we, we should come from the underdog mindset. We don't ever come from the superior mindset. We don't ever come from the power play. Um, We should have this mindset of. Because when you're the underdog, you're scrappy. When you're the underdog, you're um, you're you're trying to do everything. Um, you're paying attention to all the little things because you know that every little thing matters so much. And so, from a Christian perspective, I think it's super important for us to be really great thinkers around this and have good conversations around it. It's important to just not jump one way or the other. Like in a scenario like this, I think it's good to sit down and be like, okay, this happened. What's the what's the end product of this? And as a believer, we should be great thinkers instead of just jumping to the conservative or liberal side on something. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I wonder too um, if there's some level of this, like when we talk about um, kicking the can down the road, right? And like, where does it stop? Mm-hmm. I think that there is an aspect of the fear the ferocity with which people are going at Chick-fil-A or going at whatever, um, that sort of is a result of our current cultural status. Um, So like when we were walking through, we went to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, which is a wild thing. Hmm. And um, it's very different than the Holocaust Museums here. Um, They're just like the narrative is very different. The vibe is way different. It's just much different than a U.S. Holocaust Museum. Mm Mm-hmm. It's affecting in a very different way. Um, And one of the things that I noticed was how much time they spent in the museum talking about how they got to Hitler being elected. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as much. There was like maybe one. I feel like in U.S. museums, it's a lot of um, uh, concentration camp stuff, the like really shocking stuff. But that stuff happened at the end of all this. Yeah. You know, they spent a lot of time in that museum talking about how did we get here like how did we get to a place where a whole country of people decided that this race needed to be exterminated and i think that as we and i'm not i mean i know that every everyone right now is worried about me like blaming everything on trump it's not about trump but we're in this this time where nationally i think since 9-11 it's not even really trump it's since we it's since 9-11 where we, for the first time in a couple of generations, probably since World War II, have like nationalism as a thing. Like nationalism has started to become more of a just like accepted thought process for people of like, yeah, I'm an, I'm I'm for this country first and, and other countries mm-hmm. secondly. And I think that as like an early warning indicator of the end result being something like World War II, something like the the Third Reich, has people has people like like rabid 
like, no, we have to, like, we, you know, it has people, I think, especially minority groups and people who look at those scenarios and be like, we're the ones that are going to get wiped out. So we have to, like, if somebody says something in an interview, we have got to jump on it right now. Yeah. And it does, you know, and that's not to say that it's not an overreaction, but it's also sort of, if you're on that side of this conversation that's just thinking, like, what is the big deal? Like, why is everyone freaking out over this thing? Um, you don't have to agree with what they're freaking out about, but it's good to keep in context that like we are all trying to figure out where this is going, and some of us are panicking that it's going to a very bad place. So we're being super, super, super insane yeah. about like all these little things up front. Um, and I would say on uh, if you're on the if you are on the side of things that tends to be the one who is boycotting and like and being very reactive about anything that you perceive as like oppressive or unjust or against minority groups or whatever. Keep in mind like what your, um, what the sort of spirit of your actions are. Like, yeah, again, are you, is something that you support? So like if you support San Antonio airport, not having a Chick-fil-A, you have to ask yourself, how easy would it be for somebody to take what I just supported and make it so that a Muslim person couldn't open a, a sure. you know, a, a yeah. business or that a Jewish person couldn't open a business or that an atheist person, you know, like how mm-hmm. easy would it be for somebody to take the thing that I'm wielding as like what I feel like is a just cause to take it from me and use it against me? Yeah. That's something that we always have to keep in mind um, as we sort of like try to figure out where we want our money to go and what we support and what we protest and what we post about and like all of that stuff is that if you do tend to be anti or, or very like they call them like social justice warrior like type keep in mind that like is the action that you're supporting very easily taken from you and used against you or another minority group does that make sense yeah it does and i i think it even plays in other conversations we've had or even i've had with Corey, our youth pastor here like we have to be careful being the morality police on people and fo- on, on mm-hmm. folks too, because you, it's like, man, we're all hypocritical in some way around this. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I've seen people, um, in my Twitter feed or even like in, um, like on my Facebook feed that have been like pretty aggressive on some of this, like Chick-fil-A stuff. And, but in the same way, I've seen them post positively about certain celebrities that are just so immoral. You know, or um, like I don't like one. I, I won't say the person's name, but like the like the one person. This was a while back was talking about Quentin Tarantino and all like the Kill Bill stuff, mm-hmm. and like for like some posts, and then was coming back around to some like some other things that were happening kind of culturally about people's morality. And I'm like, you know, Harvey Weinstein like funded all of that stuff, right? right. You do know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's so there there's you just got to be careful. With some of that stuff, and I and I think that plays into like I, again from a Christian perspective mm-hmm. on this, where um, I just pulled this up because uh, in Second John one it says grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus the Son of the Father, will will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. Mm-hmm. And so it's this balance of understanding if we want to be people of grace and mercy and peace, and and be folks that like chase after truth that. Love has got to be part of it, but have an understanding of humility and everything in the midst of it. And and that the only way we can do it is actually be thinkers mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, to be able to like take our time on things and be like, okay, there is a reason they're boycotting. Mm-hmm. 
There is a reason that they think someone's anti them. Why? And invest in that and see the perspectives. And then vice versa, being able to say, hey, there's a reason that someone's really getting nervous about the whole religious freedom thing here. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? You know, And I think that's important. And that actually leads us to the whole grace and truth model that you know Jesus talks about. Yeah, and it's also good to keep in mind, I know this has been a struggle for me, it's good to keep in mind that the kind of love um, that the Bible talks about and that Jesus teaches us about is not transactional. So it's not the kind of love where you love the person who disagrees with you about going to Chick-fil-A, but then when they don't show you love back, then it's like the gloves are off. You can't make other people be loving in their morality or in their like in their you know judgment calls. All you can do is love them, whether they love you back or not. So if you if you go to somebody and say, hey, you know, I'm curious, like you posted this and I just don't. I'm not sure how it works out or like, do you hate me because I, because I eat there or, or whatever. And if they come at you, that's not, Jesus doesn't teach us that like, oh, well, okay, now all bets are off. So you go back at them. Like you have to keep in mind when you enter those conversations that you may be the only person who's loving in that scenario, but that it's your job to love all the more. Um, Cause I know for me, for me, I was really lucky. Like probably the most intense conversation I had about this was with, a close friend of mine, um, and he was, I think, very loving back. Or at least we we had a, we were serious, but it was like um, lighthearted at the end of mm-hmm. it. But he brought up a really great point during the whole thing that I hadn't thought about. And so by listening to him, I got a perspective, which was my whole thing was like, yeah, but they cut off their support. Like, how can you continue to punish them for doing good, for like admitting they're wrong? Shouldn't you be, if anything, you should be eating there twice a week to send the message that like, look, you know, if we criticize, if our side criticizes you and you change, then we will love you all the more. But instead you're like continuing to find reasons to, and he was just like, yeah, but do you think any of those big harmful organizations would be where they're at now, if not for past support of Chick-fil-A? And I was like, okay, all right, I get it. Um, I didn't, I mean, I'm not, I didn't stop eating at Chick-fil-A, but like, I just hadn't thought about like, um, him not, being able to, with a clear conscious, um, support that company, having known that whether they change now, they had helped to prop up. Yeah. And I mean, there are a couple of, you know, again, like you can do that with anything. You can pretty much. Do I mean, that like literally anything. anything. Yeah. You could, I mean, we could name a movie and name an actor, mm-hmm. you know, and we could go through and be like, well, what about this director? And what about that? I mean, you can like, you can do that with anything in the past, you know? And so it's an, it's an interesting point to like talk through. Well, but um, I think it's different when you get into power structures like businesses, like propping up whole, pa- like propping up something like the National Christian Organization, which may or may not have some sort of involvement in like Ugandan policy, anti-gay policy, which is deadly, to, literally deadly to gay sure. people. Um, is not the same as saying like, oh, well, Harvey Weinstein like made this person a star, but that person, uh, you know, like swore off Harvey Weinstein. So now don't, continue like that's a single person whereas power structures i think work a little differently like maybe i i just don't think i know i see what you're saying you know like we can't apply the rule we cannot apply the rules of personal forgiveness to corporate (laughs) entities you know that that becomes one of those things where that's why i always open with like look we're gonna have this conversation ultimately 
Chick-fil-A is a big company. I care about Chick-fil-A employees that I know. Sure. And I care about my neighbors who either shop there or are supported by them or whatever. But ultimately, like, we can't apply the same, I don't think, personally, that we can apply the same interpersonal morality that we have with one another with these big companies, which is the thing that is easy to get into. I mean, I've even done it where I'm just, like, defending Chick-fil-A as if they're my friend. But it's, like, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big, like... They're shareholders. Like, sure. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a big company. Um, either way, I think the point was that ultimately my buddy and I still disagree. They, yeah. his, him and his family still don't go there and still post pretty regularly about it. My family and I do. But I think he heard me and I heard him. And every once in a while we'll still joke about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, as Christians, we just have to remember no matter where you're at, if there's not a healthy helping of love in in your stance, then it's a clanging gong, right? Yeah. Um, but also that we need to remember that if if we're boxing with the gloves on and the other person takes the gloves off, that does not give us the right to throw our gloves off. Like yeah. we still have to counteract with love no matter what the conversation is. Um, I think that's that was all my major thoughts. I You know, I do think that there are certain things that um, you can just stone cold fact check. Like the thing that got me and my buddy into the conversation was he had reposted something on Facebook that Facebook actually ended up taking down as an anti-fake news measure and that PolitiFact and Snopes had had disproven, which was that Chick-fil-A was somehow supporting this Ugandan legislation that mm. basically leads to the you can just be executed for being gay. Right. Um, and, you know, I looked into it and I was just like, this isn't. This isn't true at all. They did support that company ten years ago, or that um that nonprofit, the uh, National Christian Organization, like ten years ago. Um, but they did. I mean, that this just not what yeah. happened. Like this is a flat out not true, right? Um, which led to some good conversation. But uh, yeah, just, I mean, some of this stuff with Chick Fil A specifically, just fact check it. Yeah, I mean, you just go to Politifact. Like if Politifact, they don't have a <laughs> or they like no snake in the game. Like, they don't care. Yeah. Um, just you know, do your due diligence and do it all lovingly. Yep. Cool. Well, um, we could get, I almost opened the can of worms of like religious freedom, good or bad thing, <laughs> because <laughs> there's one thing we've learned is that the church definitely flourishes when there's no religious freedom, but also not sure that we want to. People for- don't though. Yeah, that's true. Um, we'll save that for another episode. Thanks everyone. I don't know. John, do you have any other thoughts? No, I'm good. All right, cool. I'm going to go finish my chicken sandwich. Um, <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining in and for listening to this episode of Stay Curious. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for future episodes, email them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. And uh, please rate and review this episode. Share it, if you would, on your social media feed so that other people can get in on the conversation. And as always, thanks so much, and remember to stay curious. Stay Curious.